Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Proudly sponsored by our friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. Makes the best patio furniture in the whole world down there in Jordan, Minnesota. Julie Weisenhorn is back in studio. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good to see you. What a, it's 60 degrees I think it's already. summer. It is. <laughs> Beautiful weekend. Yeah, I'm not wearing socks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> For once. That's a good sign, right? Yeah, that's a good sign. We'll put them on now till maybe September. Uh, Julie is, uh, for those new to the show, thank you, thank you for joining us. Uh, Julie is from the University of Minnesota Department of Horticultural Science. Helps us out a lot here. Helps you out, our CCO listeners, uh, here on Saturday mornings on our Smart Garden Show. And we appreciate all the help we get. And we can do the same. She'll do the same by phone and by text. Six five one nine. They're coming in to six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. If you have a lawn or garden question, I urge you to get it in uh, earlier rather than later, because as Julie will tell you too, we tend to get the real busy. Yeah, it is the time of the year. It really is. Uh, but for the first time, this has nothing to do with anything except lawns. <laughs> uh, I was looking at my lawn, which I have to say, for the first time ever, I I've never used a pre-emergent. Okay. I mean, ever. I don't think. Uh, but I did earlier in telling uh, you guys sure. that it must have been like the first week in April, maybe something. Yeah, you like put that. it on. I remember it was, wow, early, it was earlier. Wow, what a yeah. difference! Yeah, yeah, keeps those weeds down. And it's nice, uh, rich green, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't see too many weeds at all. That's pretty good. Yeah. So if you have a lawn question, Julie can handle those too. Uh, uh, certainly a garden question. Um, to send a text to here's the I didn't give you the text number yet eight one eight zero seven eight one eight zero seven. Here's one some. Five-year-old hostas under mature oaks are struggling. They've stayed small while others in the same area have flourished. What TLC can I give them so they'll thrive? Well, they could be a different uh, species or a different, uh, I should say, different cultivar of hosta. So they might be a smaller cultivar. Um, They might require a little bit more sun. There are some hostas that tolerate maybe a part sun, part shade. Uh, so it would be interesting to know which cultivar it is and then to see what kinds of conditions it would thrive in. Okay, that's a good point, mm-hmm. though. That, uh, that a lot that, of hosta out yeah, there. <laughs> there really are. I wanted to mention, too, that sure. um, on uh, for those people looking for lawn care help and need, and, and need something past this show, sure, uh, we have a great website that Sam and the Turfgrass guys manage called turf.umn.edu. Ah, and on it, we have a lawn conversion video series that, that Sam and the guys have done. So that is um, something that you can go to after the show or anytime online and look at. There's also great postings about things like, what is Roundup for Lawns? That's a new product that's, that's out right. this year. That's a different product than our traditional Roundup that we, uh, the non-selective herbicide. So take a look at those the lawn conversion video series. This is really great if you have a weedy lawn or a lawn that needs renovation. You can actually watch a video and see what to do about oh, it. And that could be What's helpful. What's the site website? Turf. Umn. Edu. Excellent. We'll mention that website. again. Before we leave. Great website. Good deal. Part of our extension site. Thanks for letting us know on that. That's good. 
All right, let's uh, go back to the phones, then we'll grab some text messages as well. Chris in Minneapolis is first up. Chris, you're on with Julie. Uh, I have a question about how to uh, plant peonies. We bought some in uh, like four-inch pots, so they're pretty small. But um, I know there's a trick to them, so I would like to know. I'm going to hang up, too. Thanks. Okay, very good. So peonies uh, like to, they need to be planted at about an inch and a half deep, maybe two inches. Um, And so we do have a great publication to help along with that, along with diseases of peonies. That's also important, too. And so you could take a look at that on extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab and go to Yard and Garden. Go under Flowers, and you'll find the peony information there. But peonies have to be planted at a certain depth or they're not going to bloom. So take a look at the uh, publication. And, again, it's about an inch and a half to, I think, two inches or so. If I remember correctly, but take a look at that publication. That'll be helpful. Very good. Deb in Shoreview is next on CCO. Go ahead, Deb. Well, hey, Julie. It's Deb. Hey, Deb. Hi. It's Julie. <laughs> How are you? Hey, good. So um, you know my, my yard. So we are going to, we want to plant climbing vines down in our, close to our marshy area. Okay. And I want to be more of a privacy rather than, it doesn't have to be beautiful vines. I just want something that can grow in, Somewhat wet soil. Somewhat wet soil. Well, the Virginia creeper is a good option. That's a native vine. It has a great fall color. It has a palmate leaf, so meaning that the leaflets come out from a single center. Okay. And and it can grow very vigorously in lots of different kinds of conditions. That's a good option. Um, Others might be something like the um, trumpet vine uh, or a honeysuckle. Uh, okay. That might that might need a little bit more sun. I'm not sure how much sun you have. Um, not not a well afternoon sun. We have afternoon sun. There. Okay, so this is on the back of your property. It is. Okay, so this is along the wetland area. It is. Okay, so that's pretty sunny, if I remember yeah, it correctly. Is. Yep. And yep. Uh, and so that those might be a couple of options, and uh, and then also um, the uh, what else might you put up there? A clematis would be too tough because they don't like a wet condition. Okay. I think that Virginia okay. creeper might be a good option, though. Okay. That, and that's probably the way we'll go. I have done some reading, and that I did did see that that's what they recommend. But yeah. I wanted to come to the expert. So <laughs> well, you know you could call me anytime. <laughs> I know, but, you know, I thought this was more fun. So. There you go. <laughs> Say right. hi to Steve for me. Yeah. I will. Thanks, okay. Deb. Talk Appreciate to you later. It. Bye. Yeah, it's my <laughs> friend Deb, Deb Valley. All yep. right. Yep. Six five, Deb leaves that line open for another caller <laughs> at 651-989-9226. Uh, let's see. Let's grab a text here before we take a break. I have common milkweed growing in my butterfly garden. It's now spreading into my yard. Is there any way to transplant those, quote, volunteers back into my garden? Well, you can try to. They're, they're a little tricky to transplant. They've got a, a pretty uh, pretty stout root. Um, and sometimes they, you might transplant them now when they're really, if they're small, that's the best time to transplant them. But sometimes they're a little tricky to transplant. But give it a go. You've got extra plants. Always encourage planting those for the all-important monarchs. Texter says, should everything be planted in the garden now? I think you could. I, given I, the weather, I, yeah. I'll tell you what. I planted my tuberous begonias in pots. I've moved my geraniums out from my house today. The lemon tree's going out. It's, I think we're in pretty good shape. We're going to be having some uh, warm, humid, uh, looks like kind of rainy weather coming up. So that's kind of a good easing in, easing those plants into uh, 
the season. Be sure to allow them to acclimate. Don't put them right in full sun right away. Move them into a shady spot and just move them out a little by little so that they can kind of get used to their new location. All right, Julie, hang on. We'll take our usual quick break here. 60 degrees now in CCO. Few clouds. Beautiful weekend. Don't forget, Mom, tomorrow should be about uh, 80 degrees or so for a daytime high tomorrow. Maybe 83 here in the Twin Cities today. Right now in CCO, it's 60. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on 830 WCCU. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota is with us. Good morning. And uh, give us that uh, that uh, turf site again. That's yeah, it. I want to so check that out. Turf.umn.edu. So there's so many lawn questions we get, and it goes on through the summer. And that's a great website. That is the the point of entry for all things turf. And uh, turf meaning lawns. And yeah. so uh, take a look at that. And those videos are really, uh, really helpful, as well as there's a great article on the Roundup for lawns. That's a new product uh, that's not the product. same as it the old one. not the same as Roundup that we all know and either love or hate. So yeah. um, so be sure to take a look at that and, um, and read that information. It's really important. Back to the phones we go, Julie. Uh, Catherine is calling from Lakeville. Catherine, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. I have a problem with uh, snow on the mountain. The neighbor has planted it. Oh, dear. And it has completely taken over the natural areas of the backyard, including coming over the cultivated area, killing my flocks, everything. I have no way to get rid of it. How can I get rid of it safely? Oh, well, um, that is a very aggressive plant. Uh, It can really, in the right conditions, it can really spread, as you found out. Um, It's a, a... Really, you have to either completely dig it up, which is really is can be a big job, and it's a decision that you can uh, make on your own, or you can do a combination of treating it with an herbicide and also doing some digging up. So, um, if it's clo- coming into other plants, you want to protect those plants if you do spray it, and be careful if you are digging up, so you're not digging up into the roots of your other plants. But it's it's a it's going to be some some work to do that. That's a, a difficult plant to remove when it's growing in the right area, and you've got to be sure to get all those roots up as best you can. Mm, labor yeah, of love. Labor of love yeah. or, yeah, something, <laughs> something it's labor. like that. But I'm, I'm, there isn't really any easy way to do it short of just you can spray the whole thing, um, but then if you have other plants mixed in, you have to be careful about that. I, I recommend putting some kind of a barrier like uh, opening up the top and the bottom of a cardboard box and putting it right over the plant you want to keep and then spraying around it and letting it just sit there and, until it dries off and then you can take the box and move on to the next thing. So putting some kind of mechanical barrier is important. Okay. There you go, Catherine. Thank you. Sorry about that. I have good uh, news for you. Yeah, it's tough. Caroline is calling from uh, Coon Rapids. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. We had uh, planted three years ago a row of arborvitaes, about 10 of them, and they were doing fantastic until this spring. All of them have died from about three feet down, every single one of them. And then going to the top, they're all beautiful. And they are along a fence, and then they, there's a cyclone fence where our neighbors have a, a hedge. Then it's our arborvitaes, and then we have a, a patio that has a, a retaining wall of about, I don't know, two and a half feet. And that's where those arborvitaes are, kind of in that trough. And it just kind of all of a sudden, they all just 
died from the bottom halfway down. Uh, okay, so a couple questions. Do you have deer? No deer. Okay, so that rules that out. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what we thought at first could be um, like a rabbit or mm-hmm. something could have chewed on the bottom. But then within a few weeks this spring, they just all went. Okay. Do they live in, um, are those bottom, the bottom three feet, is that in a uh, shady site? Are they shaded? It's, it, that's what I'm wondering is if it's too much mm-hmm. shade, it's not getting enough sun now that they're getting bigger. Right. And, and if your neighbor has a hedge on the other side, it could be shading those lower, that lower three feet. Arborvitae and evergreens, with the exception of you, re- use really need full sun. Okay. And when they start to be shaded by other plants as they've grown up, as other plants have grown up, they'll start to not produce, they won't produce foliage in that area that's shaded. They really need full sun. Okay. So that could be the reason for that. So nothing to do probably with those other than to start over with something else. What would you recommend in a place like that where it's not going to get a ton of sun, but we want it as a, like a, a barrier? I would look at, uh, at, hu- at use. I would. Yep. They are, um, there are one evergreen that can tolerate shade. Okay. And actually do better on a northern side where, where it doesn't get... Uh, full sun all the time. So that would be a good option. Very good. Thanks, Caroline. 651-989-9226 or send a text if that's easier, 81807. And let's go to a little candidate. I think Ray has been uh, waiting there. Ray, you're on with Julie. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I started uh, a bunch of uh, geraniums from a parent plant, and uh, I just planted five in dirt because they're rooted. What do I do now? Do I do I let them grow a while before I pinch them back? Yeah, I would let them get a good, you know, get to be a decent size before you start to pinch them back. You might want to take the buds off of them, the flower buds, if they develop them, just so that they're putting more of their energy into developing a good root system. Okay. Thanks, Ray. Uh, let's go to Susan, who's calling from uh, Cambridge. Susan, you're on the CCO with Julie. Yes, I have soft maple trees in my yard, and they seem to be dropping their bark. Okay. Are are they mature trees? Yes. Then I'd I'd give a call to a certified arborist and have them come out and take a look at them. That that might be something that that they can um, assess on site better than we can do on the radio. And definitely if if you have mature trees, it's really to your advantage to call out a certified arborist. And we have a good publication on our extension site under our trees and shrubs section that is called How to Hire a Certified Arborist. And it, it's some good tips for questions to ask as well as how to contact one. All right, very good. Uh, I wish we had a picture here for you, Julie, <laughs> but it says we have little clumps of, quote, weeds that look like little cucumber plants. What are they and where do they come from? Well, if they, they could be our wild cucumber vine, oh, which is okay. a native vine. It's a very... Um, it's something I hate that vine, to be honest. <laughs> I had it one year in my yard, and it took a long time to get rid of. But it, it, they produce uh, kind of pods that seed, and they don't produce cucumbers. And uh, that, that might be it. Or if you had cucumbers and you composted them, and now they're seeding. The seeds are actually germinating. Oh, it could be okay. that, too, if you spread compost from your uh, compost bin out. Possibilities. So it could be that, yeah. Texter says this, Julie, we are planting a baby blue spruce today, so how much water does that need? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. That's a great question. And I'm going to direct you to our extension page because anybody planting trees and shrubs, you need to think about the water. And we have a site called Water Wisely on that page. So it's extension.umn.edu. 
click on the garden tab, go to yard and garden, and on that home page, you'll find Water Wisely. In that section, we have two great publications. One is on how much water and the watering frequency of new trees, newly planted, so this would apply in your case. And then also there's a good publication on watering established trees, and it directs you to how often you need to water and how much you need to water based on the size of the tree. So take a look at that publication. It also gives you other really good information about the importance of watering trees. And, and I, from what I hear, we're, we'll, we're going to have a dry, hot summer, mm. and, and our trees are going to really need that extra care. So everybody should be looking at that if you have trees. Good deal. Hang on, Julie. We're going to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to 519-989-9226 or send Julie a text, 81807. A few clouds out there. Right now in the Twin Cities, temperature reading at 60 degrees. And back to our Smart Garden Show, sponsored every Saturday by our friends at By the Yard down in Jordan, Minnesota, makers of that great patio furniture. Julie Weisenhorsen is back in the in studio with us, helping us out from the U of M. And... Uh, we, you a and I were looking texts. at, oh my goodness, we have a lot of texts <laughs> yeah. and callers as well. But I tell you what, let's get back to some folks who've been uh, waiting a bit, a bit, huh? Tom is calling from Apple Valley. Thanks, Tom. What is your question? Yeah, see, I have a, a few of those uh, spiral, I think they're called junipers, the spiral ornamental ones. Can I trim those and shape those right yeah. now? Yes, you can. Yeah, they if when they start putting out any new growth, they'll start to get kind of furry looking, you know, and out of shape. And then you can just gently shear off that new growth. Mm, okay. Don't do it too tightly, though. Kind of just give it a what you know, a loose shear, but meaning that not to go really deep into it, but just knock off that new growth. All right, very good. Uh, Ed's calling from Bloomington. Then we'll grab some text messages. Go ahead, Ed. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. Uh, I I planted a, a dwarf apple and a cherry tree two years ago, and they're not in a place that I'd like to keep them. And I want to know what time of the year is a good to move them or how to move them. Well, they're probably blooming, aren't they, or have fi- just finished blooming? They're about, they're about eight, nine feet tall and about an inch and a half in diameter, and they yes, they did bloom. Okay. Um it, it probably would have been better to to move them before they bloomed. That's before they the leafing emerged. I think now you might be stressing them out a little too much uh, to move them. So you might want to wait and move them in the fall or next spring. Okay. I think at this point they're probably pretty leafed out, and you you could try. It depends how how badly you have to move them. If you're going to be doing construction, or if they're growing up into the side of your house or something. You could take a chance doing that, but um, but if you but don't really, have to, I'd, if you don't have to, I'd maybe wait till next spring before okay. they leaf out, and I'd move them. Then that's going to be your best bet. All right, let's let's grab one more call before we grab a text. Uh, Todd's calling from uh, Invergrove. Go ahead, Todd. Uh, question on rubber mulch. I oh, put yeah. it down a couple of years ago, and uh, some of my shrubs have uh, having troubles uh, keeping them alive. Is that because of the mulch, or how thick is the mulch? Um, inch and a half. Okay. Um, did you put anything underneath the mulch? Fabric. Okay. It may be that the combination of the mulch and the fabric, the fabric usually lets water through without a problem, depending on how thick it is, but it could be that, that, that mulch has become compacted down and it might be just literally blocking, uh, enough water to get to those shrubs. You might want to run a, like a soaker hose right by those shrubs and make sure that you're watering those shrubs regularly instead of just relying solely on the rainfall. 
and and make sure pull the pull that mulch away from the base of the shrubs, and then and then be sure that you're watering them. Sounds like that it might just be compacted down a little bit. Okay, then you know for those that maybe didn't uh, can't get into the show because uh, we're so busy here <laughs> and they want further information, let's send them to the website. Yeah, so we? the extension website is extension.umn.edu. Click on the garden tab, go to yard and garden. We have all sorts of publications. We have diagnostic tools, what's wrong with my plant. That's about diseases, things that you see on your plant. We have what insect is this for insect identification. And then is this plant a weed, which is somewhat subjective, I guess, but but also to help you with some of the common weeds, including creeping Charlie, by the way. Oh, yes. I see that we have some creeping Charlie questions. We do. But, um, but yeah, that's a great site to go. There's also Ask Extension which is an online email service. Uh, it's through our National Cooperative Extension, and you can email in pictures, and it will come to a group of master gardeners and me, and uh, and then uh, somebody will be getting back to you via email. So if you don't get your questions answered, go ahead and email them in at Ask Extension. Excellent. All right, do you want to pick up on a uh, text message or two here sure. before you go back get to the phone? Get my glasses on here. <laughs> Um, let's see. I transplanted my rhubarb to a sunnier spot. Can I harvest the rhubarb this year or should I let it grow? Um, it, now it doesn't say whether you transplanted it this year or last year, but I think rhubarb's pretty robust. And if the plant is looking quite healthy and the leaves are big, uh, mm-hmm. then I would go ahead. You could probably harvest some of it. I maybe go easy on it just till it gets established. Okay. Back to the phones. Carol is calling from St. Peter with a question. Hi, Carol. Hi. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I sure. just have a question about um, my um, uh, lilacs. Lilacs. You can read her mind. I know. Wow. You can. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Um, <laughs> why is it when I pick a bouquet, I've tried doing it so many ways, cutting them off and whatever, they wilt within a day. Yeah, they're just not a good... Um, they don't last very long. You, I've tried things like pounding the stems to allow more water, which actually doesn't work either. Um, I've tried putting them in sugar water or also with those packets. I think they're just a short-lived cut flower. You just have to enjoy them uh, for the short time that we have them outside as well as inside. So you might want to check with a florist. They might know some trick that I don't, but I never had really good luck with that either, Carol. Mm. All right, how about the text number? I'm not even going to give the number because we have so many. Uh, uh, so a lot of people are asking about pruning, pruning lilacs. Okay. Um, any of the spring-blooming flowers, and this kind of uh, lends itself to the last caller, is uh, lilacs are now in beautiful peak bloom. Out at the Arboretum, they are just mm-hmm. fragrant. It's fantastic out there right now. Um, so once those are done blooming, any of these spring-blooming flowers, forsythia, lilacs, um, any other spring blooming shrub, you want to prune those after they stop blooming within a couple of weeks or so because they're going to be starting to set flower buds for next year. And we have a pretty small window that allows us to uh, do some pruning at that point. So when the lilacs are done, prune, done uh, blooming, that's the time to start you know, to prune them. Somebody else asks about pruning dogwoods. Again, they're blooming. They're going into bloom right now. Um, so you want to maybe wait and uh, prune those after they bloom. But if you have some really gnarly branches in there that are really gray and they're not very attractive and they're dead, you can go ahead and cut those out and cut those dogwoods down really as close to the base as you can with a nice, sharp, clean shear. 
All right, let's go back to the phones, Julie. David is calling from uh, Montevideo with a question. Go ahead, David. Yeah, good morning. I'm just wondering, is it safe now to put every vegetable uh, seed and also <laughs> plant in the garden? Well, there's a good question. Um, if you're living in the metro or south of the metro, I think you could at this point. Um, want to be careful if we have a really, if we get a lot of rain, that that um, that you have good drainage for your soil. So you want to be amending any, if you have clay soil, you want to amend it well with compost so that you have good drainage. And um, the only plants I probably hold off on is if I live north of the Twin Cities, uh, where it's zone three. You all are having still kind of chilly nights and might want to just wait on some of those warmer crops. But um, northern gardeners know more than I do about uh, growing up north. So, But I think down in the metro and south of the metro, you could probably pretty, pretty much safe. plant uh, almost anything. Yeah. I was looking at the overnight lows for this coming week and high 50s, even low yeah, 60s. Yeah, 50s so. and 60s. Yeah. Looks like we're on our way to a warm Season. Yes, I think you're right on that. Uh, John in Plymouth is next up on the phone. Go ahead, John. Thanks. Great. Thank you for taking my call. You mm-hmm. bet. I've got uh, a area down in our woods where we have um, a fire pit, and we've got two large clay pots. Okay. And I'm wondering what we could put in there. Is there a spruce or something uh, or some type of evergreen we could put in there that would be hardy enough to keep in those pots and be able to maintain without having to transplant? Well, the one consideration is because they're in containers, they're going to pretty much freeze solid in the winter. Um, so that would, I, evergreens are expensive. And so I, I would probably, it's kind of up to you on that. If you have a place where you can move those pots, I don't know how big they are. They sound like they're quite large. Um, that might be a case where you move them into, say, a garage, a cool garage for the winter. Um, but sometimes we, you might want to think about if there's a, a plant that you can use more as an annual, even though it's a perennial plant, like a shrub, and just consider that you're going to replace it every year. That's another way. I've seen people have been doing that more and more, uh, putting in hosta into containers or putting in um, other plants that are we ordinarily think of as perennials and using them more as an annual mm. and getting the bang for the buck for the season, and then the next year they change it up to something else. So, okay. so that's something to consider too. Also, if those are, you say it's in a wooded area, if it's shady down there, um, you're going to want to use a yew if you're going to go ahead with an evergreen there and uh, because those are going to tolerate that shade a little better than, say, a white pine, for example, or something like that. So... That's my advice on that. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Julie. Uh, why don't you look over some uh, text messages, and we're going to pick up on some of those as we head to this break. And when we come back, we're going to pick up on, again on the phone calls as well. We're expecting a high here in the Twin Cities around 82 today, maybe for Mother's Day tomorrow, about the same, about 82 or so. Right now here on CCO, it's 60s. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to folks like uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. It's fun. Yeah, and as you can see, people think it, they're getting a lot of information. I wish we had maybe another six know, hours or so to impart that information. And then there would be more. I know that's true. Never it's ending. The time wanna, of the year. You want to grab a text or two? Yeah. So somebody asked, "Saw flies on azalea buds last week. What 
to spray before buds open so as not to harm pollinators but kill sawfly eggs. So we actually have a publication on azalea sawflies mm. under our insect section. And um, so there are actually two different approaches to this. One of them, they're concerned about pollinators, which thank you very much. That's awesome. Uh, we want to always be conscientious when we're looking at any kind of treatment of our plants about how it's going to affect our all-important pollinator insects. And so there's two different ways to approach this. One is uh, with low-impact uh, activity. And the uh, first one is hand-picking sawflies. That's one of the things. Uh, and then so if you can't do that, uh, insecticidal soap is another option, and spinosad is another option. Insecticidal soap and spinosad have no residual activity, so you have to basically hit the larva with the chemical, and um, and then you have to reapply it as well as you see the insects. The other is to choose a chemical, and you have to be sure that you read the label and look for uh, any kind of detrimental effects to bees or uh, other pollinators. And so you want to be sure that you're looking at that. Uh, some of those products, the active ingredients are things like carbaryl or permethrin. These can affect bees and they can affect pollinators. So you have to be very conscientious of using them and make that decision on your own. We don't encourage that if you're having a pollinator-friendly landscape. Choose a different way to manage those insects. Sawflies are short-lived. They're not around very much, but they can defoliate those mm. uh, those azaleas and other ornamental plants. So they are kind of a real nuisance. They're around a couple of weeks maybe. Um, you can always hit them with a blast of water as well. That's a little harder on the blooming plants because you can actually uh, damage the flowers. So there's a couple of <clears> options. <throat> Take a look at the Azalea Sawflies publication, and uh, you can always ask extension by sending in an email uh, if you want some more information about that. Very good. Back to the phones, uh, Julie. Let's talk to Janet in Maplewood. Go ahead, Janet. Yes. Last year I planted a juga on the north side of my house. It looked great. It grew fine. But now it all looks dead. Will it come back, or should I have covered it over the winter, or what was my problem? Well, it may have dried out. Uh, it it might have just uh, uh, it might have gotten hit by winter damage as well. If it was uncovered, if it was in an open area, it may have been killed. Might have winter kill. It should be emerging by now. So if it isn't, I would say take it out and put in something uh, something else, either a different kind of a juga, maybe. Or uh, or also choose a different ground cover. So it sounds like it's probably toast at Gone that point. Now. Yeah. Thanks, Janet. Ed in Bloomington is probably going to be our last caller. Go ahead, Ed. Oh, we already uh, answered it. Oh, there he is. My uh, oh. wife likes violets in the yard and the grass, and they're getting to be too broad. They're spread all over. I don't want them to get in my neighbor's yard. How can I control those? Those are a broadleaf uh, plant, meaning that you can treat them with a broadleaf herbicide, and that won't affect your grass. Uh, you can also, depending on how many there are, you can dig them out. You can mow them down, uh, but they are a perennial plant. They will come back. So, uh, yeah, that's some people like them in their grass, and, and others don't. So you'd want to treat them with a broadleaf herbicide or dig them out. Or dig them out. All right. You know what? Let's try to get Jim and Delano's question answered. Uh, Jim, are you still there? Yes, I am. Go ahead, awesome. please. Yes, I planted a magnolia tree 10 years ago in memory of a granddaughter who passed away. My question is, when's it going to start acting like a tree and not a shrub? <laughs> it's about 12 feet tall, 8 feet, uh, you know, across with the branches, and at the base it's probably 8 to 10 inches in circumference. Right. 
So it is probably that is a form of the magnolias. Is it a stellata royal, uh, a royal star uh, magnolia? Is have kind of multiple narrow petals and kind of um, no, fringy looking? No. Okay, um, but the form of it is probably a shrub form. You can prune it up. You could prune off some of the lower branches, but you're not going to get a tree, a true tree form necessarily, uh, without taking off some of the branches. And you'll have to just make a decision. Uh, either way, but there are some varieties that that grow more like a tree, and there are some that grow more like a shrub. You know, we've got maybe a little about a minute or so. Wow, uh, but a maybe what we could do for, <laughs> for those that maybe missed the yes. first comment about the turf. Yeah, so we have a website. If you have lawn questions, uh, you can go to our turf.umn.edu. This is a website that our turf uh, uh, folks put together. Sam Bauer being one of them. And there is great information on that website. There's a whole series of videos about taking, you know, renovating lawns, dealing with weedy lawns. Uh, And you can also go to our extension.umn.edu site. And that uh, there's Ask Extension. You can go to that website. And if you didn't get your question answered, go ahead and email it in, Master Gardeners, or I will be answering those questions you can send it photos as well. You can also go out to the Arboretum, which is fantastic I was just right going to ask now. you about that for, and, for Mother's yeah, Day tomorrow. And, and talk with Master Gardeners. There's also Master Gardeners in, in the counties around Minnesota that you can contact as well. And all that information can be found on our Extension website. That would be a great treat for Mom tomorrow. Yeah, to go to and the happy Arboretum. Mother's Day, Mom, yeah. to my mom. Pauline, <laughs> Pauline who visits yeah. us from time to time. Visits from time to time. We'll see her next weekend. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, so go to the website and use ask extension. If you didn't get your questions answered, we'll help you out. Good deal. Julie, we'll see you in a couple of weeks or so. Sounds good. Good deal. In the Twin Cities, our temperature reading six to get those home improvement questions ready. Andy Lindis will be in studio next hour here on CCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.